Hi, this is Sidney Williams, and I'm reading today from my book, Disciples of the Serpent. It's part of the OCLT series from Crossroad Press. To set this passage up a bit, uh, the heroine of this story, or one of the protagonists, is Special Detective Eileen O'Donnell, who is from the uh, Irish Garda, and because of a shooting incident, she has been reassigned to a Garda Sub Rosa unit devoted to investigating the strange and the unusual. She's not particularly happy about that. But this scene will begin to introduce the story and to introduce where Eileen finds herself as this novel gets going. That was a 38-year-old businessman from Ballsbridge. Two weeks ago, Reese said. Now, on to the next set of photos. O'Donnell watched the slender visitor in the gray Savile Row suit tap notes into his computer tablet, not changing expression as lurid images of another swollen purple body zipped into view to replace the previous victim on the large screen at the front of the conference room. This one was found near St. Stephen's Green this morning, Reese said, elderly Trinity professor. O'Donnell sat at the end of the table in a small meeting room. They were in an indistinct building tucked away a few blocks from Garda headquarters at Phoenix Park. Outside, the building had looked like a warehouse with no distinct markings or signage. She'd probably been past it before without noticing. That must be by design. Things had begun to feel a little stranger once they stepped through the front door. A glass case that looked like something out of the Natural History Museum stood as a focal point in the lobby. Inside, an antler headdress rested on a faceless mannequin bust. As she'd focused on that, a figure in a black robe, almost like a nun's habit, had glided past to disappear down a corridor, offering just a glimpse of a hard silver mask that seemed to fit tightly against the face. O'Donnell had also spotted a pair of men in what looked like hazmat suits rolling a heavy crate with air holes on a dolly through a secure doorway. Focused on them, she almost stepped on a scurrying form she thought to be a dog at first. She held a foot in mid-air and tried to balance as she looked down at the spherical glowing blue-green form that scrambled across the tile on little reptilian feet. What the? She then almost collided with a woman in a lab coat who hurried from the mouth of a hallway holding a small, hand-sized smartphone of some sort. Bodie's in a hurry. Gotta keep up with him. Reese had steered her forward as she looked back over her shoulder at the scene. What floor of the loony bin had she stepped off on? Everyone here seemed to wear badges that had to be scanned for access, everyone except her and the man in the nice suit, who almost seemed to be a visitor. Uniformed officers had accompanied the man in, tall, distinguished-looking, silver-haired, aging without seeming too old. He'd introduced himself with a crisp, deep, British accent. Professor Geoffrey Bullfinch. Apparently a car had picked him up at Dublin Airport while she and Rees had surveyed the crime scene. 
He had settled in quickly and seemed to be looking at small details as more pictures scrolled past, offering the St. Stephen's green victim from a variety of angles on the grassy patch. Is this anywhere near the zoo? Someone asked. A handful of men and women in suits and business attire were scattered around the table. Not far, but they weren't missing any massive vipers from the reptile house, Reese said. Some of the staffers tapped notes into laptops. A few seemed to prefer a more old-fashioned approach and scribbled on notepads. They looked more like they belonged in an accounting department than a police station. Suppose whatever did that might have dined on a lion or penguin before it got to a cyclist, if it had, one man said, staring at the image. Toxicology? Bullfinch asked. Reptile, but not quite matching any known variety, acts like a neurotoxin, the nasty stuff a North American coral snake delivers. Injected? Bullfinch asked. O'Donnell couldn't quite make out the accent. Was it northern? Maybe it sounded slightly less British this time. Had he spent a good deal of time in America? Something in the body language suggested that also, although O'Donnell couldn't pin it down. Syringe, needle marks near the base of the skull in each, Reese said. Any indication the venom was synthesized? It's hard to tell. The labs are in your file data there, Reese said, and shared with the OCLT labs. O'Donnell glanced at notes airdropped to her phone. They included a couple of paragraphs. She started reading what OCLT stood for. We were actually checking on that front to see if you had seen anything like it, Reese said, directing his statement toward the professor. Then the word came through that you were in Dublin, so your people asked that we have you over. O'Donnell had never heard of the Orphic Crisis Logistical Task Force before. Reese mentioned it on the way in, but then she thought the Garda Sub Rosa Unit for Unusual Crimes was legend, modestly funded. She was learning. It was kept quiet since part of its work was to deal with unusual incidents before panic ensued. Almost informally, at first, it had been dubbed Acetech, the Irish word for strange, peculiar, or weird. It was said with slightly more irony than OCLT's almost anachronym mentioned in her notes, Occult. If this wasn't a loony bin, she'd stepped into a strange corner of the world. She looked toward one exit, an odd blue fish with a pronounced knot on its forehead glided about in an aquarium beside the door. Why'd they keep that in here? As she looked at it, the fish made a turn in the tank and swam near the glass, one eye focusing on her, as if it had sensed her notice. She turned away quickly. Then she felt strange and ridiculous. This place unsettled her. So do you think this professor's text to you was related to our strange serpent deaths, Mr. Bullfinch? Someone asked. I'm not sure it is, but the urgency and overall serendipity led me to believe that I'd better check it out. I met Professor Burke at a myth and folklore symposium a number of years ago in California. Conference referred to in the text. 
Exactly. He approached me about what he called a folkloric phenomena he thought might be occurring. Did he elaborate? Not with a lot of specifics at the time, except to say he was growing mildly concerned about some ripples, possibly paranoia. We don't know more than that, Rees asked. Not really. The professor said he was initially interested in it from a scholarly viewpoint, curious he said about the nature of belief in phenomenal legend in a rational age. How so? Again, he, he didn't go into detail, but seemed to focus on the way myths appear to adapt or how contemporary events or urban myth might be incorporated into belief. Fairy abductions or old hags turn into greys or Nordic aliens while who visit your bedroom at night. Things with pseudo-scientific underpinnings become more palatable than supernatural beings to the modern mind. I know the link is thin, Reese said, but I wonder if it could have anything, another impact on the modern mind. Do you think we could have a serial killer acting out some ancient rite, or anything in that vein, so to speak? Given the deaths, I'd say it's possible. Set uh, like a ritual from any group you've ever heard of? Asian, African, Greek, even Nordic speaking of, you have a lot of snake-worshipping groups to choose from. Any of those kill people with venom? Not as a rule of thumb, though you could see how a twisted mind might get from offerings to a giant snake god to a human sacrifice with synthesized venom. The preparation of the toxin might even take on a ritualistic element, though that might be a bit off the wall for an official report. Wouldn't synthesizing the toxin we're seeing be a fairly sophisticated process? Somewhat. I'm told OCLT labs are still trying to break it down to figure out what it would take. Discretion is always helpful in matters like this. Wolfinch kept tapping his screen as he spoke, zooming in on a shot of a body he'd opened. Then he turned his pad around, indicating the spot he'd enlarged. Dirt near a lifeless hand appeared displaced. I was looking at this photo provided to me. It's possible those marks were made by fingertips. It's not much of a mark, O'Donnell said. Not a word. Uh, could be just scratches in the ground, death throes grass had to be pulled back to give him a canvas. Perhaps a symbol was marked there, Bullfinch said. Is the crime scene preserved? It's taped off, but won't be covered or protected because it wasn't noticed. Bullfinch flipped through all of the photos. No other shot gives a better view. Could we take a look before it rains, in case? We have to start somewhere, Reese said. You two up for a drive back over there? His gaze focused on O'Donnell. What are you thinking this might be? O'Donnell asked. Let's look for the symbol, Bullfinch said. If I'm wrong, any contemplation is wasted energy.